Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm Hi guys, crazy. welcome back to the Alibi So Much podcast. I am your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. So glad that you guys are back. If this is your first time listening, thank you guys so much for listening. It means the absolute world. I love you all. I am in the best mood because actually, to me, today is actually national holiday okay as i am recording this intro it is tuesday august 4th at 2 40 p.m to be exact and stephanie meyer has released the fifth book in the twilight series midnight sun so if you guys are a real twilight stan you would be aware that the first 14 chapters of this book were actually leaked like 10 years ago and then the book never saw the light of day it's actually just edward's perspective of twilight at first, I was like kind of mad that it wasn't just like, you know, like, let's see what happens like post breaking dawn, you know, how many times can I say, you know, wow, I'm so sorry, everyone. I am elated about this book. As we know, I'm quite the reader. We're going to have more news to come with this and we'll 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 circle back to Midnight Sun. Don't worry, guys. But it just would feel wrong not starting off the episode with a, a moment of silence, if you will, for Stephanie Meyer and the beauty that is the Twilight series. OK, I don't care if you have a negative opinion. Um, I grew up on these books. I remember I read them in fifth grade, guys. That is so way too young to be reading these books. But whatever. I remember exactly where I was when Jacob imprinted on Renesme. My jaw dropped. I was in this room in my mom's rental post my parents divorce, everyone. And I ran to the other room because I had to tell someone. So clearly I was a really social, fun and outgoing kid. Um, actually, I kind of was, but it really just depends on the day. You know, I feel like I have two personalities. I'm like the life of the party or I just don't talk at all. And I just stay in my house and read books. So, you know, it really just depends. Anyways, this weekend was actually my 23rd birthday. So I am now 23 years old, everyone. Big whoop, not that big of a deal, um, but it was fun. I had a little... I, I say dinner party loosely because party, um, no, I cooked dinner for very close friends, mainly family um, of mine, my cousins and my siblings, as we know, are my best friends. So that was really fun. It was very like housewife vibes of me, you know, as always. Um, we made some bolognese. I wore this really cute Cynthia Rowley dress, got the celebration cake from Susie Cakes as always. And it was just quite the time. Also, it was a very Dolly birthday for me. Okay, everyone, I received so many Dolly Parton 
gifts, like an unbelievable amount, candles, um, magnets, trays, like so many things, guys. So everyone in my life just clearly really loves me because that absolutely made my entire life. Oh my gosh. Also, I just have to tell you guys this, like this is the funniest thing ever. Speaking of great gifts. So if you guys follow me on Instagram or watch my vlogs or anything, you guys will know that I had these really funny art prints in my kitchen and my office. And they're kind of like old. It depends, like classic medieval prints of that are kind of made more modern um for example the like most og one i have is mona lisa holding a gucci bag and my friend mark calls them royal for whatever reason and he literally had a canvas made of me quote-unquote royal thing with my face on it guys i will post it in the instagram or on our instagram so you guys can see it because it's literally the funniest gift I have ever received. So that will be on the Instagram. I need you guys all to go look at it because it is so freaking funny, but it was great. I just, I've been friends with, I've had the same friends since I was like 10, 12 years old at this point. So it was really awesome. Um, loved the gifts, like literally anyways, I just like had to make mention of that because I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And also shout out to your media for the flowers. So cute. I have flowers all over my house, which is all I ever want is just flowers and candles. So I'm really thriving. Moving on to things I've been loving, um, Kapari Lip Glossy. So I want, I hate that it's named Lip Glossy, but that is what it's called. Um, it is the best lip balm mixed with lip gloss ever. Your hair doesn't get stuck to it. It's not sticky. It's just beautiful. But if you get it in Birthday Sue, which is new, um, it's even better because there's a little bit of color to it. So I love it. It's like my new holy grail. I am quite the lip balm snob as we know. And I have very few products that I think are just the most incredible lip balm products ever. And Kapari Lip Glossy is up there. It's really, really up there. And now that they have birthday suit, I'm just really over the moon. I've also been wearing a lot of bracelets lately. And by a lot, I mean, I've actually just been wearing the same bracelets every day, but I have this really beautiful gold Dior bracelet that I got last December in New York with some of my best friends. It's like our friendship bracelet. And I'm just really bad about wearing bracelets. So I barely have worn it, honestly. And I left it in one of my purses for like two months. So just so ridiculous. I know. And I have been wearing it every day and I just love it along with this really, really cute bracelet that I bought. Or actually, no, I was gifted it to from one of you guys at Beated by Yaz on Instagram. So she's in the Facebook group and I was asking you guys to like share your small businesses and stuff so I could support and I bought a ton from you guys but she sent this to me and I wear it every day it is so cute it's just this gold bracelet with a little black heart on it I love it I'm sure you guys have seen it on my Instagram and just in vlogs and stuff I think it's so freaking cute another thing I have been loving okay I'm not really proud of this because this is really taking me back to like my high school days I don't love that it's Starbucks because it's really basic and then I need to go back to like my healthy coffee drinks but I have been craving iced dirty chais with three shots of espresso if you guys watch my vlogs in high school I used to get this all the time and it really takes me back today is feeling extremely nostalgic while I'm reading twilight and I have one of my favorite candles burning in my old Starbucks order here but I just can't stop and it's not okay like Q brought this over today for me in my defense like I didn't go out of my way to get it but I need to chill out on it because it's just really kind of a problem but I have been loving those and they're definitely not good for me and I'm not saying that in a way that I don't mean like that physical appearance wise I just mean like I am so fueled by food so like mental health wise and just energy and whatever um, I just really care about what I'm consuming I say that as I've been eating nothing but junk but you guys see what I'm saying okay oh my gosh also 
this is the last thing I'm going to share of things I'm loving. And this could have been it. This could have been the one thing that I shared. My Dyson vacuum. I got the V8 Absolute and it has absolutely changed my life. To say a vacuum has changed my life, really, you know, I'm 23. I still feel like that's young. Like it's the really, it's the breadwinning housewife vibes, guys, that we've been having in 2020. But this Dyson vacuum has changed my life. I vacuum 24 seven. It is so much fun. It's wireless. Why am I saying, guys, this is what 2020 has come to. I think that vacuuming is fun. But if you guys had a Dyson vacuum, you would understand it is the best thing ever. They're definitely pricey, but they last you forever. It just charges. Obviously, it's cordless. It's the best thing ever. Like, I cannot say enough good things about it. I use it on my hardwood, which is really amazing. I have so many problems with... I I feel like my floors are just never all the way clean. Maybe I'm just actually clean freak and they just don't meet my standards. But I vacuum about 15 times a day. So I've been loving that. Especially with having dogs, it's like the best thing ever. Going on to sharing a little bit of news and housekeeping with you guys. This is really important. Oh, wait. First thing I want to say is the living room has launched. Thank you guys so much. Seriously, for everyone who has signed up, if you guys didn't know, the living room is my new faith-based content subscription service. So I'm doing like videos and faith-styled like podcast episodes and Q&As and all of that stuff. So for any of you guys who are wanting to dive deeper into that, I would definitely recommend. I'm also like even more open on there, which, you know, you wouldn't think is possible because it's behind a paywall. So I feel way more comfortable like actually sharing things. This week I did a devotion and then I also have my entire like testimony and story up like very very open that went live as like a podcast style episode so if you guys are interested in that it's always going to be linked down below so thank you guys so much to everyone who signed up it's seriously like the best thing ever want to say i'm going to start linking everything in the show notes because i am becoming a better podcaster so all the products and stuff that i mentioned in the intros and then as well as like any ads that we have on like any sponsors or anything like that i'll have the links and the codes and whatever just in case you guys want to go back they're also going to be on the i love you so much instagram which is actually popping guys i have worked so hard on this instagram and i'm very proud of myself 10 out of 10 would recommend if you guys have not joined the newsletter you guys are missing out you need to join the newsletter guys oh my gosh it is so much fun I have so much fun creating it every week I'm actually about to do that right after I get off this podcast but I think you guys would love it it's just an email once a week I promise you guys will enjoy I share all of my favorite products my favorite listens reads everything like it's just so much fun things I've been learning I've been wanting to do a solo episode soon so that might be coming let me know what you guys want to hear and last but not least guys we are officially doing a book club. I tweeted the other day that I felt that I missed my calling as a book club podcaster. And you know what? It's never too late. So I have decided that once a month as a community, if you guys are interested, we will all be reading a book. Spoiler alert, this month's book is Midnight Sun, but I will always be announcing these books on the Instagram and I'm not really going to be announcing them on the podcast. So you guys need to go and follow the Instagram so you guys can get the books. But this month, again, is Midnight Sun. I'll either be doing it the last week of August or the first week of September. I don't remember what I decided on, Um, but I'm going to be doing one solo episode a month. That will probably be a bonus. So there'll be five episodes a month. And then the first half of that will be a more normal podcast episode. And then the second half will be like the book recap. And we'll be talking about it. I might have a guest on or whatever. And it's going to be absolutely incredible, guys. I am very excited. There's a lot of great things happening right now. And I'm just glad that we can connect on this level because my Instagram engagement with you guys has quadrupled since I started sharing all these books. And we talk about books all the time. Like 
literally 24 seven in my DMs. That's like all I'm talking to you guys about all the time. And I think this is going to be so much fun. I am a redhead. I love their podcast. So I wanted to do something kind of similar just because I love what they're doing. And um, while I don't have a book club podcast, I think we can incorporate it. You know what I mean? Anyways, today's episode genuinely could not come at a better time. I've been extremely open about this, but I feel like I've been really struggling lately. I've been kind of changing up my meds and just kind of all over the place. I've been dealing with a lot of like emotional blunting and irritability and all this stuff. And it just has not been the best. You know, I've been kind of a mess, guys. But today we have Tina Marie Clark on, which I am so excited. Actually, the morning that we recorded this, OK Sis actually posted an episode with her because we're always on the same wavelength. So if you guys haven't, I would also recommend listening to their episode because it's a little bit different with her. But I absolutely loved her. If you guys are not aware, Tina Marie is a model, mother, creator, and author of The Shifter Method, a five-step mindfulness method to help you turn negative thought patterns into more empowering ones. She's a captivating, speaker and she helps women of all backgrounds discover the transformative power of everyday experiences. The shifter method encourages women to get vulnerable and honest with themselves to own your awful and practice choosing to respond rather than react. She has spoken at many conferences and retreats like Say Hello Wellness and has been interviewed by leaders in wellness like Melissa Woodhealth and been featured in publications like Vogue, Marie Claire, Hamptons, and more. You guys know that I absolutely adore Melissa Woodhealth. She's a dream guest for the podcast, but Tina Marie is the absolute like she's just an angelic human being she's so incredible we had a great talk afterwards and I just absolutely adore her I think the world of her in this episode was really helpful for me and I think it's a really great reset you know we're in August like it's already the eighth month of 2020 like where has time gone you know what I mean but I just keep blabbling I just keep talking so I'm gonna stop and hope you guys enjoy the episode let's get started all right, guys, really quickly, we have a word from our sponsor, Function of Beauty. I didn't even know that I was doing an ad read for Function of Beauty today, and I actually just got out of the shower, and I currently have in my Function of Beauty hair mask right now, and I had no idea, but I've been using their products since way before they were a sponsor on this show, and I am the biggest fan. I talk about this in vlogs all the time. Seriously, the best hair care products ever. I get asked what I use in my hair all the time and I'm always really hesitant to share products because I didn't feel like I had found like my holy grail products until I started using Function of Beauty and now I'm like I will tell everyone because I am absolutely obsessed. If you guys are not aware, Function of Beauty is hair care that is formulated specifically for you. So no matter your hair type, they create shampoo, conditioner, and treatments to fit your unique needs. How unique you ask? Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure your formula is as unique as you. So first you start off by taking a very quick but thorough quiz and tell them a little bit about your hair. Next, Function of Beauty's teams determine the right blend of ingredients and then bottle your custom formula to order. Then they deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance. They even print your name on it. So I choose white because that really fits my vibe. And then I always choose eucalyptus for my fragrance because it smells so good, guys. Also, another thing I will say about them is that it's really hard for me to find shampoo and conditioner that actually has a lasting scent. And when I use Function of Beauty, it not only only just like lingers in my hair but it makes my entire bathroom and bedroom smell so good plus their formulas are vegan and cruelty free they never use sulfates parabens or any other harmful ingredients 
Function of Beauty is not just the first ever custom hair brand. It's the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. Guys, I am so hesitant to share hair care products because I am so picky. So I promise you this is amazing. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash I love you to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Again, go to functionofbeauty.com slash I love you for 20% off and let them know you heard about it from our show. Again, that is functionofbeauty.com slash I love you. I will share this on the Instagram. Um, we talk about it in the Facebook group. But guys, seriously, this is not just something that's like an Instagram trend or anything like that. It is the best hair care ever. And it is totally customized to you. All right, guys, let's get back into the episode. I am so excited to have you on. I feel like you are the perfect guest for the current circumstances and just life in general not even in like a world pandemic but also I'm 22 like I'm not that I took a normal college traditional path or anything like that but it's it's very just a lot of my listeners I feel like are kind of just all over the place and a lot of us deal with anxiety and just being all over the place so I'm really excited to have you on because I think you will be such an amazing guest but first things first let's go to hot seat what is the best purchase you've made under $100 in the past six months? Quickly go back. Thank you so much for having me on. And I can't wait to get in there and, and talk about all the things that are so vital for just feeling good and getting in your flow. So thank you for having me on. And my favorite purchase would be this incredible vintage Chanel bag that I, I was working for a charity called the Boys and Girls Club. And they were having this like kind of garage sale where all the women that were on the committee, they brought in all their old stuff and we sold like $52,000 worth of stuff. I found this little tiny gold handled Chanel bag that is like powder blue. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. And I got it for like $0. So I really, that's my absolute favorite. It went to a great cause. It is really fun. I love vintage pieces. So this is like my, my dream bag. I love that. I want to just dive right into everything. And I also, I want to start off with your childhood because I love how I was watching something of yours recently and you were talking about how healing isn't like a one-time thing, how you're consistently healing. And I think that's actually been something that I've learned and have been like dealing with, especially in this year. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I want to hear about your upbringing because I feel like that has so much to do with obviously our lives and what we end up doing. But I just want to hear your background. Grew up in the suburb of Philadelphia. It's called Souderton, Pennsylvania. So it's like 20 minutes from the city or 30 minutes from the city. And I grew up with my two older brothers and my mom. My mom was a single mom. She had three kids by the age of 21. Like on her 21st birthday, instead of having a beer, she was feeding me a bottle. So she was, she eventually left my dad um, when I was one and was a single mom most of my life. And she is just my inspiration and really is someone that started me on this path and was always asking me deeper questions. So I'm so thankful that I even had that within my childhood. If I could describe my childhood besides my family life, because I had a really great family life, describe it in a word for a feeling, it would be, I had a lot of shame. My emotional experience was I was always feeling less than, I always felt other. 
I always felt out of place and just not enough. And that really just spiraled out of control and manifested in me doing things that I should not have been doing. And I was just really hurting. So I went to three different alternative schools from sixth to 12th grade. So I was just in and out and I was cruising for a bruising. I would just get triggered and stirred up on the quickest thing. It could be somebody rolling their eyes. It could be somebody putting a pencil down. I just was so reactive because I was really hurting. And I just had so much shame that I was trying to protect with this shield of aggressive behavior. Do you think that was rooted in like just insecurity or society's expectations? Like where do you think this like innate kind of shame that you had was coming from? So it's actually interesting you're asking me that because I I think about it often and me and my mom have these conversations and I I did a hypnosis session. I was asked to go back to figure out where in my body or where in my lineage this trauma was. So I went back and it was four generations back. And I always felt like I came here to this universe, to this planet with that. I feel like I inherited the shame. So my mom deals with shame and sensitive to shame, keeping her eye out for somebody that is possibly going to shame her. And I have that same characteristic. That's why I love the method so much because it allows you to break those patterns so you do not have to recreate them. You don't have to recreate them for yourself and recreate them for your children. And I think that my mom really got that ball rolling to like stop that that cycle. So her interpretations of things, I would bounce those ideas off of her, but she always had the lens of shame to view it through. That's so interesting too, because I think so many things are almost generational and you either, it is just a generational thing or you pick up on it from your parents when you don't even realize it, especially when you're young and you're kind of forming habits. Like for me, I grew up, I have the best family, love them, but it was chaos, like really bad divorce, really bad kind of back and forth. Didn't like stay in the same house for that long because it was, you know, divorced parents or whatever was happening at that time. And so there was so much chaos that as I got older, I realized like I didn't find that it affected me in every single area of my life, which is obviously like not true, but I mainly noticed it like relationally. It was really easy for me to only accept chaos almost to the point where I like romantic relationships, like before my now boyfriend, I would only accept things that were chaotic or I knew I wasn't that serious about or whatever that might be just because that was easier for me to accept because that's what I had always seen growing up. I wasn't like self-aware and like only trying to do that. It's just, I realized that later I was like, oh my gosh, like that's what I'm doing. You know, it's exactly like, you're so right. Like you're just going to keep repeating things, you know? Yeah. And that vibrational pattern that we're in when we are attracting people, we, we have these frequencies that are, I feel like they're a lock and a key. So the chaos that you've known is what you're kind of expecting and what you know and what you're familiar with. So the same, you may not have the same level of discomfort with that chaos because you're used to it. So you're like, okay, I I can deal with this beast, even if it's out of control or whatever it is, you're, you're 
used to it and breaking those patterns and really seeing what your like natural state of being would be and would want to attract not based upon the narrative. Oh, for sure. There's a weird sense of comfort to it as well, just because it is what you've always known. So it's, it's just easy to stay, even though obviously you can look at it and you're like, that situation is not easier, but because that's what you know, it feels comfortable and it's easier to stay in something unhealthy than to like work and grow past that. I want to talk about healing. Like let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they have something immediately that comes to mind. How, like, what are some ways that you can change like negative thought patterns and healing from childhood? Okay. So I would say the most powerful thing that I could, and the most potent of all I speak about is obviously made the shiftster method. It's a five-step method to shift your perception. But the number two step in the method is the sit. And what I mean by the sit is it's an emotional posture that you take when you're consciously aware that you are stirring you're creating chaos, you've been triggered, you're activated, you're anxious, you're scared, you're whatever the emotion is that you're experiencing. We normally have default defenses that we use that we've cultivated over years. We have our verbal knives, we have our emotional shields, we have all of these things that we use or, or we pick up the wine, a glass of wine, or we pick whatever it is that we use to protect ourselves. We automatically do without even thinking. So the, the method is designed for you to slow that pace down. So if someone is in the abyss and they're smack dab in the middle of something that is causing them discomfort, uh, suffering, any type of pain, I would say for them to sit while you want to call that guy back when you want to shoot off that nasty email, when you want to do whatever it is that will comfort those thoughts, sit. Don't judge yourself. Don't do anything. You can allow yourself to sit. And I, I use sit mantras that are for me, like when I'm really in the abyss, when I'm stirring, I call it the eye of the stir. It's like this tornado of emotions. When I'm doing that, I have to tell myself, like I use not today, Satan, like not today. You're not getting me here. I know you want me to go over there. I know you want me to deviate, but what I need to do right now is just to sit. That's my only job. And on the other side of the sit, there are gifts. Because just like you were attracting chaotic things, when we shift and sit what is going on within us, we vibrationally change. And oftentimes, the outside changes when we change. So I've had many times where I was stirring and I wanted to go in and I wanted to like use my default defenses. And when I would surrender to the sit. And it's so hard for independent powerhouse women to do this because as powerful as it is, it's equally as difficult to do this. But when you sit and you surrender and say, I, have, I don't know all that is to be seen about this situation. I'm going to sit. I am going to wait. And I, I hope something is revealed. I, what is, is there a possibility that I'm not seeing something about this. Let me sit and then I can circle back on this. There's nothing that I need to do 
in this moment in particular. If it's, you know, if it's about kids or family and it's like a in the moment situation, obviously you're going to deal with it. But when you, you know, somebody doesn't write you back the way you wanted or normal day-to-day stuff, allow yourself to sit. The change of your energy from sitting versus reacting, absolutely changing the world and changing your own world. I love that. That is so powerful. I'm super big into my faith and therapy and all of these things and reading and growth. And so this is like right on my alley. There was this quote that I was thinking of as you were sharing the sit part in I don't remember who it's from and I'm probably going to butcher it, but paraphrasing it, um, it was something on the lines of we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion and rather than, you know, sitting with things that I know I need to deal with or reacting to things, it's really easy for me personally to just go distract myself with work or go on to the next thing. And then it's like years later and I'm, you know, it's all of this stuff is built up because I haven't dealt with it. And sitting for me personally has been like one of the hardest things for me to do because I am so like, go, go, go. I love what I do. I always want to be doing something. And if I'm not doing something, I want to be with a friend or like doing, you know, whatever that might be. Or I want to be like reading a book and whatever, like weird ways that are quote unquote relaxing, but I'm actually still being somehow productive or whatever that might be. So you can actually do both. I just want to relieve you of your pain right now of judging that you are allowed to call your girlfriend. You're allowed to do all of those things to still have a successful sit. It is allowing yourself to, while you're reading your positivity journal or while you're reading your books, you're saying, I know that there's something going on within me and I'm just going to wait because I want it to be revealed. God, show me the way. Universe, infinite, creator, Whoever you, whoever you speak to, say, I, I want to see this differently. I want to shift my perception. I don't want to keep on seeing it this way. Because when we go back, we really realize that these narratives are on repeat in our life. We are just repeating the same thing. It could wear a different face. It could come up through a different person. But it is really all rooted in fear and try the most devious ways to get us off course. So even when you're doing that and you, you may judge it and say like, oh, I distract myself or whatever, as long as you are consciously deciding while I'm reading this book, I'm going to sit or while I'm talking to my girlfriend, I am just going to not reach outside of myself or comforts and the things that I normally do. So let me, let me just see what is on the other side of this. And nine times out of 10, if I do a proper sit, meaning the 24 hours, it changes. And what I felt before, like I had to let it go through me and pass, but we get often we're, we're resistant to the suffering. So we want to package it up with a bow and be like, send it off but welcoming that and allowing it to be there because we don't like to feel. And we, we want to switch that up real quick. And when we allow ourselves to simultaneously sit while we're doing regular life, I've seen so much magic on the other side of the sit. Things just happen. And I hope a physicist or a scientist will one day explain why that happens energetically when someone surrenders and is not coming from that 
egoic reactionary place, there's something that happens in the frequencies of human beings and that the world changes in terms of you may sit and you're, you're, you're fighting with your man and you're like, oh, you never listen to me, whatever in your mind. You're thinking that and you're like, oh, I'm going to tell it to him. I'm going to yell at him. I'm going to show him. And instead you say, okay, I see you stirring. Let me sit for a second. And you sit and you're like, okay, like even if I, sometimes I'm gritting my teeth as I'm sitting, it's not comfortable. It's not a comfortable position emotionally. It's like, I'm like, I don't want to sit. And you're in there and for whatever reason, I don't know what happens, but then uh, my man will come at, like out of nowhere and he's like, hey babe, um, will you be ready by 8.30? I have a reservation for us at Bar Pity or something like random. And I'm like, I could have completely blocked myself from getting the love that I love from you if I went down that path because it really was originated in my mind and it has, has nothing to do with outside. And you allow that frequency to get that in which you want when you sit. It's like a magnet. So I hope somebody eventually proves this theory because I'm like, no, no, no. Your energy changes when you sit. It's more freeing. I think it's a lot less like overwhelming or daunting as you're able to just kind of carry it on and just not just day-to-day tasks, but like day-to-day life. It doesn't have to be this really overwhelming, daunting thing. It just makes it makes it more comfortable for me to be like, okay, I'm going to sit and just be more conscious. Like when I was doing these other tasks, I was definitely doing the opposite. Like I was just trying to completely run away. Cause it's like, we don't like emotions. I'm someone who I, it's weird. I'm so not controlling with other people, but I'm very controlling of myself and like my schedule and time and work and whatever. And like, I've worked for myself since I was like 16. So maybe that's part of it. But I think I really honestly was just born this way. So if I don't like that emotions can affect me because I'm like, wait, that I can't control that necessarily. So rather than working through them, and this isn't me now, this is me maybe like six months ago, a year ago, I would have rather not worked through them and just been not the healthiest I could be, which was obviously affecting me in every single area of my life, rather than doing something like this and actually dealing and healing from my problems. Not that healing is just like a one-stop process and journey, but I would have rather just like ignored it altogether. Feel you and we are sisters from another mister because I am the same way and it is never done. This process is never done. I could have 15 stir stories in a day and sometimes I have none for a week, but we are always, we all have the opportunity or the possibility for ourselves to be stirred up and our emotions to get high and heavy. So I think for me, I needed something that I could use in the moment. Like I'm not stopping and doing something. It's an emotional posture in my mind. So I, if I don't have a chance to sit on a meditation pillow or get to a yoga class, or, you know, I love to read and I love to listen to audiobooks. If I can't do that in that moment to help process, we can figure this out later, TM. Like I'll even speak to myself. We can figure this out later. But just sit, surrender, babe. You can do it. And then you build up resiliency and you build up this um, ability to sit longer, be able to like allow it to pull through you. Because I am often taken out of my sit where I just like, I lose it. I'm like, oh, nope, I'm coming out. I can handle it for five minutes. 
and it's endurance building. You may sit for one minute the first time when you're sitting. You may sit for an entire day the next. It all depends on yourself and how often you practice it. Can you take us through your five-step method? I want like all of it, beginning to end. You got it. So the first step is the stir. And the stir is when you've deviated into a negative thought pattern. The moment that you experience that, either it's physiological or emotional or inside, becoming aware you've deviated. Number two is the sit, allowing yourself to consciously making an effort not to react and surrendering. Number three is the sift. The sift is where it's really revealed. The sift is where you look at either on a pen and paper or inside your mind. You actually look and go deep dive inside your mind to figure out what the actual narrative of your stir story is. Like I said before, a lot of the time it has nothing to do with your girlfriend could have said something and you perceived it in a negative way. And that, that trauma could have been pushing on something that you got when you were five and you weren't invited to that birthday party. You know, she could, that girl could just be bumping up against that thing. And then it's coming up and saying, Hey, you haven't listened to me in a while. You're really so sensitive about this. Hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm going to cause pain. I'm going to cause suffering until you heal me. I'm knocking. You see your heart's racing. You see you're sweating. You see you're, you're, you're hurting. Look at me. Look at, look at what you're thinking. And that's, I always think stirs are invitations for healing. Then there is the share, which I absolutely love. I, when women get together and own their awful, and own what's really going on, it is just so powerful. When we do not bullshit each other and we can vulnerably and authentically share what's actually going on and through the lens, I think through the shifter method, being able to actually get clear on what is going on with you when we open up those gates with other women, not only do we have intimacy with them, but we have intimacy with ourself. And that builds confidence when you know yourself. So 22-year-old Tina Marie versus me now, I know thyself. Not completely. It's, it's, I'm always learning, but there are certain things where I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's not me. Where if I was younger, I may have believed that. I had to go through this pattern to figure that out. It took me many, many years to to get there. Then there is the shift, which is once you've done the four steps prior, you can't unring a bell and you can't unsee what you've worked on. You're like unearthing the gems of what's going on. And it may be something like a subtle shift. It may be, oh, I didn't know that was correlated or, oh, I don't want to do that. Possibilities are endless with how you can shift and what changes within you. But when we do inventory about what's actually going on, you can't come out the other side unchanged. Something will break apart. It, it's like the deconstruction of all of our negative thought patterns. And we chip away at it every single time we do the sit and do the method. You're just breaking it down. I love this. I totally agree. I love what you said about just the sharing portion. And it is so powerful. I think that sharing is also so freeing. And this is, I, this is just stuff that I think is so important for us to just be intentional with ourselves, especially because it gets, life gets crazy and busy and we have, there's all these other things that 
you know, come on our plates. But I think that this kind of needs to be like first and foremost as an actual like pattern and method that you're practicing consistently. It's not it's not just something that you can afford to kind of put on the back burner. I'm really curious um, with you. So you said before you had a lot of shame and you were just kind of acting out. Well, I really want to talk about when you went from like model to entrepreneur and starting this method. But before we even get into that, I'm curious to know, like, what was your process like with becoming vulnerable and um, just kind of being made like more self-aware? Slow and steady. It's really slow. It's really like, and, and I just want to say to anybody that's listening right now, you're exactly where you need to be and where you're supposed to be. If universe, God, creator dropped a Google map pin, it would be exactly where you're sitting, who you're talking to, who you're with, whatever you are doing is exactly for you. And I think that when we view our life through that lens, we can also become the observer of what life is trying to actually show us. My awakening, I would say, really started when I started listening to my internal self. What was I saying to myself about how did I interpret that situation? What did my mind say about Tina Marie if someone didn't call me back or, you know, hook up with a guy and I would never speak to him again? It would be horrible. But what did I say to me? What did I say about Tina Marie when those things happened? And why did it knock me completely off course? You can ignore it and then it all comes up at once. So you're like delaying, delaying, delaying. You can run, but you can't hide. Clear the way, but it's really not clearing it. It's, uh, it's a delayed reaction. So you're going to get it all at once. So I think with the method, it has been my chipping away daily where I don't have those big, big grand mall stirs anymore. Tune in and figure out what's going on with me because I'm like, oh, okay, this is, what ha- this is how I'm processing it. And sometimes I'm aware and sometimes I'm not. And then I'll come back and I'll be like, hey, did you miss something? So when did you decide to make this method? It's been a part of my journey actually to even own the fact that this is my jam. This is what I came here to do. Like I know, like I know I was sent here to do this work. Even getting to the place to be able to say that possibility of looking or sounding like I'm whatever it is, getting comfortable with that has been such an evolution. So I've had to go through that and look and and check about what's going on with me. So I started modeling when I was 15 years old, did that until I was five months pregnant with my son, Max, and I stopped so I could continue my pregnancy and have my baby. And then I just didn't want to go back. This conversation you and I are doing, I could do that endlessly without effort and I get a charge out of it. I knew that I wanted to do something like this. I just didn't know how it would show up. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew I jammed out. It was awesome. I felt great. And I had no idea or expectation on how it was going to manifest into the world. I was talking about this earlier today. I was thinking about the word confidence. You gain confidence through repetitive behavior when you're doing it. Like your first time out roller skating, you're like not so confident. You're going to do great. And then as you go on, you get more confident in your abilities. You get more skillful. You get more in tune. So when I was doing that, 
I, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to basically do with my life after I had my son, just started inching towards myself in a way. Like I, I was inching towards and finding things, conversations like this. And I made that basically my job to be in this thing. And then everything just opened up. People, places, ideas. And then I was like, wait, wait, I'm a shifter. So I was a major shitster because I was always willing to ask really intense or big questions. I was always challenging authority. And as a shifter, it's I am challenging my own ego's authority. Even that time of what am I going to call myself? What do I do? How, would, how do you say this? How, how is this packaged? I had no idea. I just went with it. And I just followed the thing that made me excited. And then it unraveled. And I'm like, wait, no, I'm a shifter. And then two days later, I say it came down because I felt like I... I don't want to use the word channel, but I, it came down in a format and it was like, okay, you have a five-step method and it's five S's. And then I just started rattling them off. And then I just put all of the work that I had been doing and it fit so nicely. I was just waiting for the container of like what it was going to be called. And then all of those other pieces of just following my joy and following the thing that lit me up, all that I had collected along the way was able to just be put into it. And then I was like, wait, this is a whole thing. This is an entire body of work. I went backward in the process, if that makes sense. Like I was preparing, 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 and then I got the idea. So the preparation had already done that versus, oh, I have this idea. Let me try to make it happen. It was like, I got, I was preparing, got the idea, and then they melded together. And then I was like, whoa, this is this is me. This is, this is my jam. I know I could feel it. I would, I would uh, like vibrate. I knew that this is what, this is what I came here to do. I love that that was kind of your process. Not that it was this idea that you had from the beginning, but I love how it was it almost seemed like, correct me if I'm wrong, it was just a bunch of small steps that were taking you to the big picture. I had no expectation either. I had no idea. I had like little baby, like weekly calls or whatever. And, and I had no idea that that could accumulate. So when I talk about confidence, I'm like, wait, no, no, no. I was building that confidence by doing it, inching out, inching out. So when it came, I had the opportunity. That quote, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. That opportunity that came down and I was like, wait, I've been preparing for this. And it was contrarian because I wasn't necessarily moving forward in all sense of anything. I was just waiting in a way, but patiently. I was like, yeah, I'll get it. But I really took out time, was specific to following my joy. And that was like two or three hours a week. It was nothing. Meaning like I, I was starting that and it was over, I want to say a year and a half, two years that I was doing that. And then it came down and then it was all together. And it was so fascinating to see how that works. It was contrarian to what people do. They're like, oh, I have to get a good idea and I have to do that. And then I'll put the rest in. And it wasn't that way for me. People put a lot of pressure on one single idea or it's like, oh, I do have this idea. I have this kind of inkling or this thing that I'm passionate about, but I don't know exactly how I'm going to box it up and, you know, tie it up with a bow and all of that. And I mean, I know I can, speaking for myself, like I've been in these situations before, but it's like, 
you're not going to get anywhere by not taking any steps. And so I love what you said about that, because again, had you not been prepared, who knows what would have ended up happening? You know, I think the idea would have just gone on to the next person because I think that the universe is birthing ideas every single day and they're just waiting for the able body that is ready to receive it. And I was ready and I had been preparing. So it was able to manifest through me because I was ready and I could not have accepted that gift two years earlier because I wouldn't have been able to, to deal with it or I, I didn't have enough in there. It needed to be that exact time. I was ready for it when I was actually ready and it didn't go according to a timeline. It was really just following my joy, following that really whenever I was like jamming with my girlfriends and talking and it was just following that. I want to circle back to the healing part a little bit because I would love to hear you just elaborate a little bit more on how you don't think that healing is like a one-time thing that that's it. It's like you, I don't know exactly how you described it, but basically how obviously like healing is a journey and it's not just like a one-stop process. Was it in uh, IG live? I think it was your stories. Basically it was saying, how do I get rid of this thing? Whatever the issue was. And I said, my process has been, it's not getting rid of it. It's being with it and living and coexisting with that trauma, with that pain, with that suffering. I will never get rid of that. It won't define me, but it's a part of me. And I am 50 shades of Tina Marie. I have the capacity to be terrible and I have the capacity to be amazing and everything in between. And I would be missing out on such a beautiful part of the human experience if I shut that thing down. I had the ability to have a lot of pain and, and understand that. My reward for that is I have deep, deep compassion and empathy. I don't want that to go away. Even though it, is, it has hurt me and I've had traumas, no, 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 that teaches me and that shows me where I need to work. I don't want that going anywhere. I actually, I make friends in essence with that. There is that part of me that is, that's what I came here to work on. So it's living with that and not suffering through living with that. Sometimes I'll stir about it once a month and sometimes I'll stir about it 50 times a day, but I'm never going to be done. Just the durations become longer and sometimes it's out of nowhere where you think that you're healed and all of a sudden something pushes on that thing and you're like, whoa, like I didn't even think I was hurting about that anymore. Or, oh, I, I didn't think that made me sad. Or, oh, I thought I healed that. It's just, I, I find it disempowering to other women to, to sell them an idea that it will go away. It just will not. Your relationship with it changes. Its ability to harm you will change. Its ability to suck your energy or whatever it is that it, this trauma does to you. I think healing is making peace with some of that. Whatever that is, it's really working with it and knowing it. And, and also like I've noticed some of my worst things have been my best things. Like my traumas, even though, and you're like, well, how could that happen? How could you be get you, you know, someone getting beat or somebody getting abused or someone, all of these things. 
I've seen so many incredible women take a microphone and say, if it wasn't for my whatever it was, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And they found their purpose out of their pain. That doesn't mean that their life is controlled by that, but they're okay sitting beside their pain and sitting with their pain. They're like, you don't have to go. I want to be healed. I want to be better. I, I want to resist the idea. It just comes back and it's even more intense. But when you're sitting with it, like a trauma or a or suffering, when you're sitting with your stuff, it doesn't need that fleeing thing. You don't have to reject it. It's allowing it to flow through you so it can move through you. I think that is so good. No, I love what you said about how it's more of like your relationship with the pain changes or the trauma or whatever has happened. That's so important. I think, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I earlier, well, I ended up, I was living in LA for the past five years and I'm from Texas and I just bought a house in Texas. I originally was going to like split my time, but COVID. And so I was back in Texas and a lot of, I think just like childhood things were coming up that I had been in therapy for years for. I felt like I had really worked through and then I got back here and a lot of the stuff was just kind of naturally coming up. And then I almost felt a lot of shame for not being healed from that because on one hand, it's like I had gone through so much therapy. I'd gone through so many things like how how is it still bothering me in the slightest? And then on the other hand, it's like I like preached like sharing and being vulnerable and healing and stuff on the Internet. So like, what does that mean if I'm not? And then I also had this thought where I was like, I think like you sharing this has really helped me. But it's like, I think, too at different ages like you're able to deal with things at a different capacity so like the way that if something happened to me when I was 12 the way that that would affect me at 16 is not the same way it would affect me at 22 and that's not to say that my life is like ruined by whatever has happened at all it's just like understanding that I'm able to kind of process through it and heal from it in a different way and it's not healing for me has really never been just like a one-stop shop it really has been a process over time but with that being said it's it's way more of like my relationship with it changes and I think it's actually brought so much good out of my life because it's like a lot of your pain brings purpose so there's so many things that I care about that I would not have maybe a big heart that I do have for it now without it happening so I also am almost grateful for some of these things even though they would be like you know, they're deemed as traumatic. I completely identify with you because that whole idea of when it has, has happened or when something traumatic happens to you, how you're interpreting it, there's so many moving parts to that. And like a mother that has two children, it could be, a tw it could be twins. They could be in the same room experiencing the same fight between their parents and one could have trauma from it and one could not remember it. There should not be a difference, but for them, it was the way that they were observing it and what was going on inside of them that created the trauma. Because there are certain things where you're like, how, how could they be okay? Or how could they go through that and still be whatever? I was talking to a girlfriend the other day and I was watching this Sandy Hook documentary. And this woman speaks about how her, her son had passed away at Sandy Hook. And she said that another mother came up to her and said, I am so sorry, a really rough road ahead. You just will never be the same. And that's completely normal to a mom to hear because how could you ever be the same? You know, your, your child is gone. And she said in that moment, she decided that that was not going to be her story. 
that however many years later this woman is still experiencing the trauma of her, the loss of her son, she decided in that moment that she would heal and be able to not be suffering in that way. She's like, that will not be my story. She made a decision in her mind that that was not going to be a defining, it's going to be a pivotal moment, but it's not going to define her happiness. It's not going to dictate what she does, where she goes, how she interacts, how much love she has, who she's going to let in, how much love she's going to give her other son. It will be something to pivot and embrace and to really go into deeper versus being washed away by it. And trauma can do that. First off, I love that that was her response. That's so powerful. A good example, exactly what you're saying with twins and how they respond so differently being in the same environment. Like my step siblings are triplets. It's insane. And they are so different, like unbelievably different, but they've had, you know, the same upbringing, the same like pretty bad things that have happened, pretty good things that have happened. Obviously it happens to them together. And they're now 18 and they're over like quite I don't live too far from them so they're over at my house or whatever and one of them is a saint and like does all of my like handyman work that I need done and it's so interesting with just spending time with them separately because I was actually thinking about that I'm like it's so crazy how we are also like innately different because they grew up in the same circumstances and like had all you know it's just it's so crazy this has been like seriously such an amazing episode. Thank you for coming on. I really want to talk about like your, if you have any routines or rituals of like your day to day, maybe if you're getting a little bit overwhelmed, um, like somewhere that you like to go, something that you like to listen to, or if you have like a morning routine that you stick to, what are things that just kind of keep you grounded, especially during this time? My audiobooks. Anybody that is in a car, for any duration, put an audiobook on. Be able to put what you want to experience in your life or in your day, in your future. Do things that align with how you believe that you are going to, to get there or what kind of thoughts you want in there. So I will put my favorite books, Brene Brown, Elizabeth Gilbert, Marianne Williamson, uh, Debbie Ford. There's chaos around me and it's swirling. I'm like, okay, just go get your tools. Damn, go get your tools. Go back to your thing. You know how to ground yourself. You know how to come back. So if it's a little crazy, so let's just say you're not in that chaos and you're just sitting in the car with your kids and they're listening to women talking about soul and about choosing and about loving consciously and making those choices. It's just everybody wins. I am a huge reader. I have read, I think, 50 books in 2020. I'm also like, you know, don't have kids. I don't have kids and it's like quarantine, you know, like that would not be my normal. But um, it's so interesting that you share that. I really do feel like we're so similar because I, I've grown up with anxiety and I know that if I'm starting to feel a little bit off, I have like, I'll either go work out or I'll go read or I'll go on a walk. Like I have my things that I have to do to kind of reset myself. And even if that takes... 30 minutes to an hour, which it normally wouldn't take that long. That's worth it because if I don't do that, I'm going to lose the next three hours, you know? So it's like, I have to do that. I can do that with quotes, actually. That's like my expedited version. So the sit mantras that I use, they're like one-liners, like on the other side of the sit, there are gifts. Life is giving you exactly the experience that you need for the evolution of your soul. 
or you're exactly where you need to be. When I hear that, something happens where I can relax and I'm like, okay, if I believe that the person that created me is the same person that made my son, why do I not believe that he's divinely guiding my life? You're exactly where you need to be. You're not, there's no error here. And if you're in pain, there's something going on with you and you got to check in. Just do a little circle back, like go back. If I truly believe that, then I have to accept that. Even in the most painful things, there has to be something in there for me. That reminds me of a passage that I, I have this little book that I do a reading from every morning. And one of the stories in there was it just the idea of we trust like God or universe or whatever you believe in. Like we trust that the planets are in orbit, that the it's going to be nighttime tonight, that everything is in order. So it's like we trust them with like huge things, right? It's like you trust God with that. But for some reason, they're like, we can't trust God with something like a cancer diagnosis or relational problems or depression or anxiety or whatever that is. And while those are really, really big things, and I'm not trying to take away from the weight of that, it's just that we do have some sort of trust and faith innately because these things are just always happen and that is so much bigger obviously that's like the universe right that's the everything like planets in orbit but then it's like we'll get so fixated on these things and it's like it's really like helped me like almost grow my like faith and trust and like I'm not gonna like stress about these small things when everything has always kind of come to pass and remembering your past things that felt overwhelming and you're like oh but I wouldn't have that best girlfriend if that hadn't happened or oh well I wouldn't have had this happen so being able to like look back at your past and be like oh I know I didn't feel I knew I felt bad when that happened and I felt like my life was ending I felt so sad but I do feel this way about it because I've I've shifted it I've changed I've softened it. So even reflecting back on stories, you're like, okay, if I could hold up the possibility of changing the way I did with that situation. Oh yeah, I do that so often when I'm in any sort of trial or anything that I I basically don't want to be in. I always look back to things where I felt this feeling at first, but how they ended up. And even if they didn't have the results that I wanted, I always end up grateful for it. So I always do that when I'm either feeling like overwhelmed or just any sort of negative emotion about what I'm in. I always look back on those things and that always kind of brings me comfort and like a new level of like faith and trust again of like it's going to work out. Um, But I don't want to keep you forever. We've been recording for so long. Um, Thank you so much for coming on this episode. I loved having you. Where can they find you? At Tina Marie Clark on Instagram and my book is on Amazon and it's called the shiftster method. Amazing. I will have it in the show notes guys. Be sure to check it out, but thank you so much for coming on.